0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. approved. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive, just Adam today. And man, what an awesome episode I have for you. I interviewed New York Times bestselling author and current Good Morning America Book Club Pick of the Month author, Zakia Delilah Harris, author of The Other Black Girl, which is such a wonderful book and is getting so much buzz and it is so well-deserved. Everywhere is describing it as gets out, get out meets the devil wears Prada. And honestly, it's pretty perfect. Um, We have such an incredible conversation about not only the publishing world, which Sakia was in for several years, but a lot of like different things about how a reader of um, various backgrounds might read her book. And it was just, I don't know, we she and I hit it off really fast. We kind of kind of became fast friends and got to the point where um, we kind of create a really safe space for each other to talk about stuff that um, maybe you wouldn't initially be in, uh, comfortable talking about with people who come from a different background as you. But we just, we kind of formed this trust really quickly in our conversation where we knew we could talk about whatever we wanted to. Um, And it just, I think it makes for a really powerful conversation um, about race and the publishing world and just all sorts of stuff. But also we very much nerd out about different aspects of the publishing world because it's very, uh, as I like to say, inside baseball, because she knows every single aspect of how a book gets put together. So we have a lot of fun. You guys are going to just adore this. And if you haven't read The Other Black Girl yet, because it just came out recently, Go get it. Um, like I said, it's uh, number six on the New York Times bestsellers list right now. It is getting buzz all over the place. York, uh, Good Morning America grabbed it as their book club pick of the month. Um, just so much going on. And yeah, I, you got to check this out. Uh, some other stuff that I just want to make sure you're aware of later this week on Thursday, we're doing a live interview with Kate Moore on Zoom. She is the author of The Woman They Could Not Silence, and her other book, uh, Radium Girls, was just absolutely stunning achievement so this is going to be amazing if you go to overdrive.com it's right on the top of the screen you can sign up for there Uh, you can sign up there we've got uh, a whole bunch of people that are that are joining us so really excited about that Um, our library friends when we've been pushing this past couple of of weeks but you can join us for digipalooza in august if you go to digipalooza.com you can sign up there and see jill and i interview andy weir amongst a whole bunch of other people that you will uh, really adore hearing from if you are in, you know, the the library world. Our, our, uh, our keynote speakers are just incredible. Uh, we have Dr. Carla Hayden as one of our main keynote speakers. Um, just, wow, a lot of stuff really going on that I think you're going to like. Uh, and also, as I mentioned before, if you would like to grab a Pride t-shirt, a Libby Pride t-shirt, You can do that at shop.overdrive.com, and 100% of the proceeds go to the American Library Association's Office of Diversity. So, all good things. I'll put all the links in our show notes there. That is a lot of housekeeping. I don't want to make you guys wait any longer. I want you to very much enjoy this conversation with Zakia Delilah Harris, author of The Other Black Girl um, Professional Book Nerds podcast. Uh, we kind of like leading off our conversations with having you, the author, introduce your book because the other Black girl, I feel like a lot of the books I've been reading lately are books where like when I talk to the author, I'm like, I don't want to be the person who talks about the plot because there's so much that might be mm-hmm. spoilery. So I'll let you introduce it and we'll just kind of jump off from there.
1: Sounds good. Yes, yeah. I've I've gotten it down where I'm able to avoid spoilers. Ooh, spoilers. <laughs> so- All
0: right, well, I will let yeah I'll let you do an intro. Like I said, I'll I'll do like the start of the episode stuff after the fact. So we're awesome. have to worry about that. So if you just want to introduce the other black girl, we'll, we'll just go from there.
1: Sounds good. Um, and then one question, should I say my name too, or whatever? You don't need to,
0: I mean, you can, okay. but I'll, I'll do all that at the beginning. Yeah, no worries.
1: Okay. Awesome. All right. So. The other black girl um, mainly follows a young woman named Nella Rogers. She is 26, um, a young black woman, and she's been working at Wagner Books um, an editorial for the last two years. And Wagner Books is a very prestigious, very white um, publishing house, and she's been the only Black person working there. Mm -hmm. So she's very excited um, when Hazel, another young Black woman who is from Harlem, um, starts working in the cubicle next to hers. She's like, yes, I finally have someone else to share all (laughs) the brunt of the microaggressions with and Mm -hmm. complain about all these white people with and just talk about Black hair with, like a safe mm-hmm. space. Um, but after a series of strange unsettling things start happening at the office um, and for Nella, Nella starts to wonder if Hazel is really all that she seems. And um, unfolding alongside Nella's story are three other uh, voices, the voices of three other Black women, um, Kendra Ray, Diana, and Shawnee. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all tied also to the publishing world. Um, and uh, even though they are though, they've all chosen very different paths in life and they're all bound along with Nella uh, by one secret that has implications, not just for them, but for black women all over the world. Yeah. So that's the, the other oh, yeah. black girl in a nutshell. <laughs> you gotta say, you
0: absolutely got that down. Yeah, you're not <laughs> Thank your you. first introduction to the book yet. <laughs> um, so for So for people who... Might not know your background. You have a history in publishing, right?
1: Yes. Yep. So, I what was what? to
0: oh. yeah, say, what was your kind of what was your experience like and, and everything?
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I worked in editorial uh, for two and a half, close to three years. I was an editorial assistant and then I was promoted after a couple years to be an assistant editor, um, which was really exciting because like I kind of alluded to in the book, it is hard to move up in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, the publishing world itself, in a lot of ways, is very old fashioned and goes by certain uh, rules that feel outdated, I think, uh, for outsiders, at least for me when I first started working Mm -hmm. there, I was like, this is so, like some of these things are very strange. Um, And one of those things that was strange was how uh, white it was. Oh yeah. Um, I hadn't really worked in a corporate setting like that before. So, I mean, I had ideas of what it would be like. um, And so when I got there, I mean, I loved it. I felt very fortunate. I was Mm -hmm. working at a very hard to get into um, imprint. Um, or for two imprints, technically. Um, and I was really excited. I loved edit- editing. I loved the idea of working with authors and words mm-hmm. and all of those things. Um, but I also, you know, would look around the table and the diversity was just not there. Um, mm-hmm. I had it better than Nella. I, I wasn't the only Black person on my floor mm-hmm. um, or at my job, but I was one of very, very few. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, for me, that was, it was, it was hard. You know, I would, I really enjoyed, like I said, I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed this, this mission of really publishing books that mattered and books Mm -hmm. that, you know, would change, change the world as maybe as like optimistic as it sounds. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to, to feel like things aren't changing. We're still Mm -hmm. stuck in the fifties. Like, there were just those conversations, you know, about diversity felt like they never got past a certain point um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you have to have everyone on board. And a lot of the younger entry level employees were on board with that, but, you know, it was hard. It felt like we're shouting into a void um, at the time when I was there. And so, so those two kinds of things of like really enjoying the work and then also uh, the lack of diversity, and then also knowing I always wanted to write, too. Those all of those things kind of culminated for me, and that's when I decided to start writing the book.
0: Yeah, I, so I have so many questions. Having spent a decade now, also kind of tangentially in the publishing world, in the sense that mm-hmm. at this point for the podcast, I talked to. I feel like I talked to publicists now more than I talk to like my co-workers. coworkers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like one of the things I, I couldn't stop thinking about it, is you're talking about how sort of old fashioned it is, and I I'm f- like fortunate I guess is a way to call it is, is by the time I get pitches from publicists like that obviously the books are already seeing the light of day mm-hmm. and so I don't have any idea if it was an editor an assistant editor uh, an editor's assistant like whoever it was that found right. these books but because of it's so old fashioned like I exactly what you said like I don't think it's cliche to say that books can change the world because like you never know who's going to be the next like James Baldwin you know or Morrison or whoever it's going to be like I uh earlier this year I interviewed Robert Jones and for his book The Prophets Uh, and like I just remember reading it and I was like how and obviously he has a well-known blog but I just remember being like how is this person just now being discovered at like 50 and he's like literally it's a book that I have been thinking about for six months and like oh yeah books can, yeah and like so in that world can you can you maybe like I guess shine a light for our listeners on what it can be like and as not, not even like just a, as an assistant but like as a black assistant as just like an assistant editor in general like what is that process to like if you find a book and you need to go to someone and be like, no, this is a, this needs to be published. Like, what is that process like?
1: I mean, you know, I, I really can't say while I was there, I saw that happen where an assistant, like an editorial assistant, you know, Mm -hmm. read something and was like this. I mean, I, I won't say that there weren't things that um, my fellow editorial assistants read and uh, loved and really hoped that their boss would publish. But mm-hmm. I, I really do think, and I'm quite sure I'm um, correct in remembering this, but I, w- I would think that like, if an, an editor didn't want to publish it, like they weren't, it wasn't going to happen. And yeah. there, the say that you have as an editorial assistant is very, very, li- very little <laughs> yeah. and your opinion matters. Um, but it really, isn't until and I don't want to make a a blanket statement either because I know every imprint's different but the mentality of you know where I was was really that you're you're there to really supplement right like Mm -hmm. you're and that's not to dismiss the job because the job is huge I mean you're talking to everyone you're talking to agents you're talking to production you're talking to publicity you're talking of course to your boss the authors like all of those things um But you really don't have that much agency, you really have Mm -hmm. to establish this clout and this credit. And so I mean, that's also why I think, you know, and I try to get at this with Nella in the book, like, she has been there for so long. I mean, two years, grand scheme of things isn't that long, but in publishing, it's like, it's time. And, mm-hmm. you know, she wants to accrue all of this time and get this clout so that she can finally edit the next big black book, the next big mm-hmm. black writer as the next big black editor herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really hard. It's hard. And so, so I, it's, you know, the work-life balance situation is hard too. The, the low pay when you're an entry-level um, person. And even as an assistant editor, when I was promoted, I was kind of like, that's it. Like that's how we're <laughs> going higher for all the extra, you know, cause mm-hmm. you are at that point as an assistant editor, that's when you start to really, you can hopefully have more power mm-hmm. and start acquiring books yourself. So it's, it's, it's such an interesting world. Like yeah. it, it really does, I think in that way, feel old fashioned. And then Another thing about it too that felt old-fashioned, I think, is how much of a "who you know" world it is, oh, which yeah. is the way, right? Like with every with everything, kind of, but like especially with publishing, it feels very, mm-hmm. um, very uh, I don't know, like a bubble, and oh yeah, it's all kind of everyone's, you know, everyone moves around from different imprints. It's very mm-hmm. incestuous, which makes sense, but um, I also think, in a way, that really hinders you know, from becoming Mm -hmm. a place that um, employs people from different classes and all that stuff,
0: you know? 100%. I mean, I will willingly admit, like, the reason we started this podcast was because I work at Overdrive and we have a massive reach. And so, like, now I'd like to think that I'm good at doing author interviews, but, like, the first five or six months, I just was emailing publishers and being like, hey, we have a huge reach and you know who we are, and let me talk to someone and like within like five months of launching this podcast I interviewed James Patterson and like I had no business wow (laughs) that's
1: amazing (laughs) yeah and it
0: was very cool and he was very delightful And like we had a lovely conversation but like I remember sitting like I my company flew me to New York to have this conversation I remember like sitting there being like I shouldn't be talking to you (laughs) yet like this shouldn't (laughs) be happening and you're absolutely it's very gatekeeper in the end it's very like but it's really interesting because while like you said it you have to get to a certain point to be the person who maybe finds an author or a book. Mm-hmm. You have a, a scene where Nella is as an assistant, she is helping potentially craft the message of what will be a very important book for this publisher. And she gives very honest feedback and the author gets very offended. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, obviously being very vague, people will discuss It's pretty early on, but like <laughs> it's interesting because you're not empowered as an assistant or and to like find the books, but then like you said, from a supplementary standpoint, you are very important in providing honest. What I have to imagine is sometimes awkward feedback, yeah, for an author. And like, I don't know, just that like that. It's a very. It feels like a very corporate thing to say. Well, you can't help find these authors, but we're gonna have that. You're gonna help us shape the story. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know it's not really a question it's just really
1: no no I mean and I I think I've been thinking about it a lot you know also of course as an author now I mean and I think seeing the publishing world from from where I'm sitting now it's like I just think about how much you know publishing like I was saying earlier like this optimistic idea books are changing the world but also like it's kind of like unrealistic to expect everyone to be on board about Mm -hmm. every book, right? Like Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, you really do have to go to work um, in this industry and a lot of other industries, but I do feel like publishing is different in its own way because it does seem very, and it is like very pure in a lot of ways, but there Mm -hmm. are so many people working to make that book what it is, the marketing, all of that is so carefully calculated. Um, And depending on who's in control of all of that, that affects whether or not you see the book, where you see the book advertised, blurbs, like all of it is very like, it's capitalist, you know? And it's like, it's kind of hard to uh, think about the fact that like, you know, we have, this is an industry. And then also of course, like people, are expected to bring their emotions and their, mm-hmm. their loves and their passion to it. It's it's such a hard thing to balance, you know?
0: Well, and there's there's even, there's a scene a little bit later on where they talk about the the cover of a book and like they yes. the whole <laughs> meeting in it. I'm just like abandoning the questions I prepare because I just want to talk no, about I love publishing it. with you. Like, I love it. It's so fun to have someone who like knows the publishing world. And I feel like this is very like inside baseball for listeners. So I think they're going to love it. <laughs> but like, if you think about covers of books it was just if you're just a reader and you pick up like I don't know a copy of a Neil Gaiman book and maybe you won't notice that there's a specific layout and like if you if you happen to buy like eight of his books from the mm-hmm. same you know from like a Barnes and Noble you're like oh those are all the same that those are right like, I, that, that was designed for a specific reason but like Even just what goes into like, oh, traditionally we've done this for this author, so we should keep doing that. Or yes, and um, unrelated to that, but like your the cover that they got that you for your book, good lord, like both of them, the US and the UK ones, uh, like they're so gorgeous. But it is like so much goes into all of this that I don't think people realize. It's there's so many steps.
1: Definitely, and and when when i was starting again like we we're having these conversations last summer about you know what the book book would look like here and in the uk and like all of those things i really i really like wanted to get it right and mm-hmm. i mean getting it right like, what does that mean? But um, I know for me, it meant having a cover that was undeniably and apologetically, like, obviously black. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I look at the book now, and I'm still so much in love with it. Um, oh. The the uh, UK and US, um, both just like knocked it out of the park. And yeah. I mean, I'm just I, I've I feel like whenever I talk about this book. Like, I'm looking at it now, by the way. That's why I'm like not looking at oh, you. Yeah, but I'm just like the spine and like the fact that her face just continues onto the spine. Um, mm-hmm. It just really I love it. I'm I'm so excited about that. And from day one, Atria was just like everything. Like I never had to. I never felt like I had to compromise mm-hmm. on what I wanted, um, which not every author has the privilege of saying.
0: Yeah. Okay. So along those lines, and you can choose not to answer this if you want. <laughs> and also don't feel the need to name names, but reading this book, there are a few times where I would talk to like a coworker or someone who also was in like the publishing industry. And like, I would be like, I legit am so impressed that a publisher published this book because like, yeah, you, <laughs> for lack of a Me better too. term like you dunk on <laughs> publishing pretty hard i love it and it's so important <laughs> to be so honest but like I, all i could think of was you know every author always talks about how many rejections they got before they got an accept like was there feedback yeah. from people that was like um you're shining a light <laughs> too bright on us like were there people that were just like frankly like you can't do this
1: you know, you're kind of the first person, I think, to like ever explicitly ask me that. So I appreciate it. No, because I, I do sometimes bring this up because I think it's important to say, you know, the book is I, I love and I think it's amazing how how big the book is already is. It's mm-hmm. um, so crazy to me, like you say, because I it is like so literally about publishing. Um, But there, it wasn't always, it hasn't always been this much to look for it, um, mm-hmm. but there's always been like a decent amount. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like there, but anyway, um, <laughs> when I was querying agents, um, that was where it was interesting. So very early on, um, the book was was pretty, I mean, there was different in a few ways, but like the major parts of like the twists, like all mm-hmm. of those were the same, the genre elements, Um, and I did have one, uh, agent say they really enjoyed it, but changed the industry (laughs) (laughs) to like something like maybe fashion. I can't remember. And I was like, but like, I don't, I mean, to be honest, I sobbed for like an hour (laughs) because I was still early on. I was like, is this going to be the response I get from everybody? Because Mm -hmm. when I had started writing it, I definitely, I had the idea of the two Black women, Hazel and Nella, working in a very wide space. And I remember starting it at my desk and being like, there's no way I'm going to be able to like keep this in publishing, maybe. So maybe I'll like flag this and think about other industries. Yeah. But I just kept going and it was just too easy. Like mm-hmm. Publishing was just too easy to, not because I worked there, uh, not only because I worked there, but also because it's just so, again, just such a different world. And mm. so- I mean, I thankfully, I mean, my agent, Stephanie Delman at Greenboro, just like saw it, got it and was completely on board. And of course, like the, the, when we went out with it, um, with publishing houses, a lot of people were into it, but yeah. there was still, you know, the early stages, um, mm-hmm. with agents, I think. And I, I, I get it. Like, I, I understand you just don't know, but, um, I'm also just, I knew I wasn't going to change it. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> I, but I mean, like to, to your point, I feel like we hear so much from publishers all the time. A lot of like social speak where they'll say, like, well, of course we want more diverse authors and we're always pushing to get more BIPOC authors. And then, you know, like Pew or we need diverse books or like mm-hmm. PW will release a study at the end of the year and they're like 13% of the books published this year were by BIPOC. And, and it's just like, I'm that's why like one of the many reasons I love their book so much and like the reason like I'll Thank say it can. the reason that it's getting so much hype is because it's incredible and everyone needs to read it for a myriad of reasons <laughs> but like it's I, I think it's so important to shine like to shine that light because like I said no matter how many times people think they're doing good enough like they're it's not it, it's not good enough
1: yeah at all. yeah 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 no and and that's what I mean that's one of the things I really wanted with this book I mean I like I said I didn't I didn't quite set out to write um like this kind of uh criticism of publishing like that wasn't I didn't care enough about publishing to like to make that the point of the book but um it definitely of course on the other side of it and the more I wrote like I said like peeling back all of those you know, all of those moments, all of those those uh, conversations at the table. Thankfully, again, I never experienced anything that that <laughs> egregious, that an um, but I could see it. Like I, mm-hmm. the fact that I could even imagine it happening and I had heard stories from other people working in other places about similar conversations like these. I think, it, I really hope that this book will just inspire people to, to talk about it. And like you said, mm-hmm. like, there there is more to be done there's always more to be done like Mm -hmm. even though we're better than we were 30 years ago like there's still so much that hasn't changed um and I think that those studies are so important and so necessary and I love whenever they are shared and people are talking about it again but I'm hoping with this book it's just one other supplementary thing where Mm -hmm. it's like okay here's actually how this affects individuals like yeah. on a day-to-day basis
0: did you find it challenging ever writing hazel may like as this character who is extremely confident and what just has so much going on but also at times can be a bit unlikable like did you were there challenges writing hey i'm i'm i just don't want to give anything away about these characters yeah so like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah did you struggle to like were there challenges in putting that character together
1: um I think that's also a very good question I think there were struggles in the sense that I have never set out to write a book like this like I I've been working on another book but it was less of like a it was a little more grounded and reality, I guess I'll say, if that's not giving too much away. Uh Um, (laughs) So, but this one, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of subtext. Um, and a lot of it is wrapped in, wrapped up in Nella's perception Mm because Nella is very anxious and often very like self-conscious. Like we don't know, there's a lot of stuff going on on the outside. She shows people certain things, but on the inside there's, she's just like perceiving things and like stressing it's, it's a lot, there's a lot going on. And so I think Mm -hmm. it was hard for me because I wanted to make sure I got Hazel right and make Mm -hmm. sure that. I wanted, like, she's very complex in the sense that, like, I mean, gaslighting, I think itself is, like, <laughs> I think something we've seen, but I also wanted to do it in a believable way, mm-hmm. you know, of, like, how uh, one Black woman might gaslight another Black woman, um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, no, that was that was really tricky, but I I also could see her existing because I do, I really wanted to kind of poke fun also at, like, the way we the way we all draw lines, like this is Mm -hmm. acceptable, but this is acceptable, like that kind of thing. And Nella does that too. Um, And both of them have their own kind of codes, Mm -hmm. um, but Nella expects to have the same code as her. And so I, I I wanted to play with that and kind of explore that dynamic too.
0: Well, and I'll just, I'll call myself out because while reading it, like, I don't know if this was something you intended to do, but like, as a white person reading this book, there were so many times when I would read it and like, I would make a snap judgment based on something that happened about Nella or Hazel. And then like a thing would happen a few chapters later, that would kind of prove me wrong. And like, I would, it was a really interesting internal, like not struggle, but just like a a thought provoking thing for me as a white reader to be like, wait, am I, is this like a micro racism, like a passive racism thing that I'm doing because I'm judging these characters. And like, I don't know, it just kept me thinking throughout the whole book and if that was something you were hoping to accomplish, you did it in space, like, congratulations. But, like, it's just so interesting. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so interesting, because, like I said, like, something would happen, and I'd be like, is this just because I'm a white male and I can't understand this conversation, or is this a thing that's actually gaslighting, or, like, am I being kind of racist? I don't know. I I love that you put those parts in there.
1: Thank you. I mean, that is really that was definitely intentional I, because I know for me, I, and I know for many other people and Nella, like this kind of, I mean, one example, this isn't giving too much away, but like one example is Nella has a certain idea of who Hazel's dating. And, um, she finds out that the person Hazel, so Nella assumes that Hazel is dating another white person. Cause mm-hmm. Nella is also dating a white person, um, because Hazel has been able to get to Wagner. She code switches. She, Nella assumes she lived a similar life that she did, although she was born and raised in Harlem. Like yeah. Nella kind of assumes they, you know, th- because Hazel's made it to this other side, mm-hmm. uh, she, her boyfriend also is white. So is really surprised when she finds out he's not white. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it makes her feel a lot of things. I think a little self-conscious herself about her own relationship. And then, it, and so, yeah, I mean, I think we all make presumptions about other people, um, mm-hmm based on race, based on class, based on, um, our own experiences. And, yeah. and I really wanted to, I mean, I don't know, there aren't a lot of right answers to a lot of these things either. Like mm-hmm. I, I do think like, I, I wanted it to be really a conversation starter, yeah. um, and get people thinking about like why we, why we make these decisions and these, uh, kind of have these expectations for people yeah, that I, aren't really founded in more than just kind of, of prejudice and stereotyping. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Well, like to a much larger extent, getting to kind of you know, getting back to talking about how publishing, how important it is for it to be more diverse, is because when people see something that is different from a thing they understand, it can be inherently scary. And so, like, mm-hmm. I was really fortunate. I grew up in a very diverse city. I grew up in Lorain, Ohio. So this is the part where our listeners can drink because I'm going to mention Toni Morrison. It's like a thing I have to say every time. I, I Like I grew up in a very diverse area, so. I was very, I was very lucky, but there are a lot of people in the world and in this country, especially who, if they see a person who is black and they don't, they're not used to talking to a black person, they might feel uncomfortable by nature. And so like having a book like this to start those conversations, I think is so important. And that's why I think it's so essential that publishing continue to publish diverse authors, because everyone always likes to say, you know, books are, it's a way, it's, you know, it's a way to visit another world or another right. community. But like if we live, if those books don't get published, we can't visit those we communities.
1: Exactly. 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 And, and I think that's, if I do say so myself, that's what I, I really hope this book gives you is there yes. are a lot of different ways you can read this. Um, you can read this on a pure like, like the the corporate world and the work-life balance kind of level you could read this on a um the level of two black women um just like trying to be black women in the world you can read Mm -hmm. this as you know um white liberals and how they you know respond to certain things or the commodification of diversity like all of those things i'm Mm -hmm. hoping i'm hoping that people will take away and just really again like talking about The individual, you know, Mm -hmm. not just like talking about diversity as a big thing, which is so important, but I really think it starts on that like granular level.
0: Yeah. Um, To a lesser extent, everything else is heavier. I couldn't stop laughing about the work life balance stuff because, again, in publishing, the podcast is not part of my day job, but I read all the books for all the author interviews we do. Yeah. I was just laughing when like Nella's bringing home a a manuscript to read at (laughs) like, you know, like midnight. I felt that on a cellular level yeah <laughs> and that's the thing and like because people all the time everyone in my life who's also a reader they're like you're so lucky like anytime we have like, I know. friends come over they'll look at all these advanced reader copies I have and they'll grab something and they'll be like I'm just gonna can I just take this and they're like you're so <laughs> lucky to do this I'm like yes and no <laughs> because there's always another book to read and it's like all right always. Well, it's Wednesday but yep. I guess I just I'll just read this while I'm watching something. It's like it never stops. Exactly.
1: Oh. No, you're you're so right and it's funny. I think since I've quit publishing, I have read I feel like I've read more. Like even mm-hmm. though I was reading a lot, I think I think reading for fun and for pleasure is yeah. like I don't know. You, there's just nothing like it.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, and and like I, this isn't a complaint for me because like literally I like, I'm very fortunate. I got to read your book before a lot of other people and I ignored <laughs> it. And then I got to reach out to your publishers and was like, I want to, can we do a podcast, please? Yeah. And like, so I get that. Like, I know that I'm lucky, <laughs> but it's so funny. Like, I'm literally looking around it's, me, yeah. right? I'm surrounded by books right now that haven't come out yet that I just have this like weight on my chest. I'm like, I need to read all of these books. And Well, uh, it's
1: like, And also you can't, I, and I feel the same way now that, because I, I am, I'm reading a lot of things, like people are sending me really amazing things and, you know, trying to do it all, but it's reading takes time. And I don't know Mm -hmm. about you, but like, for me, I have to like, especially when I'm like doing things like, you know, talking to people, I have to like switch settings and Mm -hmm. get into the headspace where I am like reading letters on a page. I like to read hard copies of things yeah. versus online but like switching to that after like scrolling through Twitter getting mm-hmm. emails like it's it's a lot of work so yeah. I completely understand that pressure yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like I said it is a very like first world problem I know I, I, <laughs> agno- I acknowledge my privilege in that but it is so funny when I- people are like so, and then of course, oh, it's only going to get worse for you, by the way, you're going to have to, you're going to be people. like, it's not going to get, it's not going to slow down just so you know. it's not. Gonna...
1: I know. I know. Bring it on. Bring it yeah. on. Um, it's also a good problem to have. Yeah.
0: So the, the, another part of your book that I, I want to talk about is, um, it, there is some really fun genre stuff. Calling it fun is a really weird way to say it. I'm thinking about <laughs> no, it, I'm like, here for it. Yeah there's some really interesting genre stuff in there and yeah. I love that you it's almost like like sprinkled in like it's not it doesn't hit you over the head like there's a lot of it feels very 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 grounded for a long time and then all of a sudden like something will happen where you'll be like wait wait a minute something's not quite right like did you yeah. always know that you wanted that to be a part of the book and then like what was the process for you about kind of sprinkling it in here and there
1: yeah, I I I did. I did. Um, I didn't know what exactly it would be. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that, like I said, I, I knew I'd have Nella. I had Hazel. Something would be up with Hazel. Something was off with Hazel. But like how that worked, uh, how that functioned in the book, I wasn't quite sure yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also had a sense of who was behind all of it. But um, but again, like the execution, I still wasn't quite sure how to do that part yet. So so that I really came to, I mean, after, um, I think after finishing my first draft um, is when I kind of was able to go back and, and add in, you know, these little suspense notes, these horror, horror notes, I guess I'll just say. The yeah. epigraph does have black history is black horror, um, which is a, a quote from horror noir. Um, which was a documentary that I'd seen right around the time, I think a few weeks before I quit actually Mm -hmm. publishing a few weeks after I'd started this book, um, because I've always loved, loved, loved horror. I've always loved sci-fi. You know, the Twilight Zone was one of my favorites growing up of just like Rod Serling, like, being like we're in this town it's just like every other town uh-huh. but not this thing and then <laughs> surprise and it's I I love I mean it creeps me out as a kid but I mm-hmm. also found it really a fascinating story The uh, device of like kind of you know everything seems really normal but then you're going down this this road that you had no idea you're going yeah. down. except there there are hints here and there and I hoped with the epigraph that would be kind of a hint that things are not all going to be as they seem
0: yeah so about that <laughs> did you always know how you wanted this to end because oh my like yes <laughs> I was like flipping I was like i would I had reached the end of the book and I was still like there's gotta be what's oh my god yeah, <laughs> like, it's a real like mic drop moment
1: well, thank you go going back to to what I said about my love of horror, I also really love endings that are um uh question marks and mm-hmm. very much like you just want to throw the book across the room because yeah. you're, you want to know more, but also I, I, I just knew that it would end this way because I I wanted it, again, to be a conversation starter. I wanted people to, to talk about how the ending could have been different. Like I, I read a lot of those uh, Give Yourself Goosebumps books when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And you can pick kind of how the character goes through the story and oh, yeah. all the decisions they make. And like, I mean, there's just one ending in this book. But I do think that there are a lot of, I mean, I've talked to different people about what they think happens or what they hope happens yeah. um, to all of the characters. And so I just really love that and also just like i mean the end of get out the end of night of the living dead um the end of i'm trying to think of another one envision of the body snatchers like all of those endings are so are like i remember them all very vividly Mm -hmm. and those influenced how i think of the entire movie you know the
0: entire story so i i just really wanted that effect for readers be having read your book when I did and not having other people have read it yet has like been torture. Cause I can't talk I about the ending with anyone. I'm just like, I like, I'm like throwing the advanced copy at friends. I'm like, you need to read this <laughs> immediately so we can talk about it. Oh.
1: How do you think I felt last year? I was like, <laughs> I want to talk to everybody about this book, but I, I wasn't even in the stage yet. So I was just
0: like, yeah. oh, I hope people like it. Uh, yeah, I can imagine like writing <laughs> that ending and being like, I need to tell someone, but that's not, <laughs> they have to read it for, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, because you were in publishing, I can't not ask you, are there books that are coming out that you are, really excited about that people should know about just because again I this is a unique opportunity where someone else is in publishing so I gotta ask
1: yeah yeah definitely I mean I actually just I have it right next to me actually um started reading All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris Mm -hmm. and uh it's coming out in November I believe yeah November and uh, from William Morrow, in case you wanted all the all the details. Um, <laughs> but um, Wanda is, is very lovely, and um, this book starts with uh, I'm just started it again, mm-hmm. um, but it starts with a, a black lawyer. Um, she's having an affair with her white boss, mm-hmm. and it starts with her finding his body, and yeah, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome and it's not a yeah. spoiler because it's literally in like the first 20 pages or 15 uh-huh. pages and it's on the back copy I think so um but I just love I'm a true crime enthusiast and just love all the drama and bodies so mm-hmm. really excited about that one uh-huh. um and then also Cultish by Amanda Montell, which is nonfiction. Mm-hmm. um I've also started that book and it's amazing um her voice is so good mm-hmm. it's just to look at cults and, you know, where they came from, yeah. why cults exist, what's a cult, what's not a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with my own thoughts about publishing, um, as much as I love it, I also kind of feel there are some culty things about Absolutely. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's she's great. So that's mm-hmm. another one that I've started that comes out um, in June.
0: Man, oh, you're, June you are doing the thing that I do too that <laughs> no one else is gonna be able to see because the podcast, but like, Ziki is literally like grabbing books from around <laughs> no. her screen to like check it. This is it's such a, like a bookish person thing. Yeah.
1: You could see what's yeah. going yeah. on above my head right now. You're oh, like, I, oh my God. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm literally doing the same thing. I'm like looking around in my books. Being, like, when can I talk about some of these yeah. coming out? Yeah. I totally understand. I totally get that. Um, okay. So I want to run through. We do what we call the nerd nine, just nine lighthearted questions. Okay. Um I may have walked myself into a corner with this first one because it's what's the last book you finished reading and I just asked you about that.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I finished reading. That's a good question. Because um, I'm, I'm still like starting a few different books. Um, mm-hmm. Well, one book that I've read recently that I loved was the, f- oh, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev. Oh, Which, the light, which yeah. has been out for a little while. Yeah, by Donnie Walton. Uh-huh. Uh, it's so good I it's music it's yeah it's music it's the 70s I believe I feel like it's been so long since I've read it now yeah, but it's, I think it's the, it like, takes place over a yeah. span of years um about a, a rock duo fronted by a black woman um and then a white British man mm-hmm. and uh yeah there's just it's great that's all I'm, I'm going to say because I feel like that's that's the best and snappiest. It's so emotional yeah. and you will think, you will hope that all of the music
0: is real because I she know. just illustrates these characters so gorgeously. I will say um, the audiobook of that is really good. They have they have I, a lot of really yeah. good narrators for that.
1: I am excited because um, one of the women, I believe Bonnie Turpin, mm-hmm. she's doing the audiobook for the other Black girl or one of the voices. Oh, she so, is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's amazing. So <laughs> I I cannot wait to to hear the audiobook. It's going to be awesome and then also I'm going to definitely this summer listen to the story again cuz yeah. I love Donnie Donnie yeah. Walton's book. It's so good.
0: It's really good. Uh, do you have a favorite place to read?
1: Oh. Um That's a really good question. I think I think my red couch right now behind uh, yeah. me is uh-huh. yeah. That's uh, that's my new favorite place because we didn't have a couch for most of pandemic, so <laughs> it's Wild a luxury session. I didn't realize you really need to have sometimes. So.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny! Um, do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier the Goosebumps ser- series. Yeah. I really loved um all of those stories uh mm-hmm. I would trade Goosebumps books with the other boys in, in my first grade class yeah. second grade class like I was I was into those books a lot and then also Roald Dahl I loved Matilda mm-hmm. um I loved uh uh the BFG so yeah. I those two things were really big
0: parts of my reading experiences yeah. as a kid um a couple years ago I got I set up in an interview with our company CEO and R. L. Stein um, at at BookCon. And it was nice. something where and then I, I got to meet him because I was like I set it up and I asked him some questions for some other stuff. And I told him kind of exactly what you said. I was like, you know you're the reason I was so bad at math because I would, <laughs> I would put his books like in the math book while I was supposed to be in like 30 grade math. And I told him, I, I was like, it. so because of you, I'm terrible at math. But he, he looks at me and just goes completely deadpan. He's this guy who has like, he has a hilarious, like dry sense of humor. And he just yeah. goes, well, you're working in the book world now. Right. And I was like, yeah, and he goes, you're welcome. And I was like, okay. I was like, wow, RL just absolutely just destroyed me. Just, <laughs>
1: you don't need math.
0: yeah oh so funny um now it was so funny uh what is one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to oh
1: Greece Mm -hmm. I honestly I think (laughs) this is kind of funny but the sister of the traveling pants Mm -hmm. really like when I read that when I was younger and she goes to (laughs) goes to meet Kostos I don't even know like there are certain things I don't remember about books that I loved and have read, mm-hmm. but for some reason, like the grease just setup out. that she's in in the movie and in the book, I just, it yeah. just looks so gorgeous to me. So, uh,
0: do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Halloween. <laughs> I can see, I can breath, see that so. really book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you a coffee person or a tea person? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Yeah, that's the right answer. Um, <laughs> my co host has four cats. I have two dogs. We'll you do about before we start recording. So it's just like our eternal battle. Yeah. <laughs> um Do you have a favorite food?
1: I think it's cheese.
0: Yeah, that I works. Cheese is great. Cheese
1: in all its forms burrata, mozzarella, mm-hmm. string cheese, all of it.
0: Cheese is the reason I can't be a vegan. Like I'm a vegetarian, yeah. but I can't be a vegan because no cheese. It's so good.
1: It's yeah. so good
0: uh last question of these if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead who would you pick
1: um my first thought went to lucille ball i am such a big i love lucy fan i have Mm. the entire dvd series above my head as well um i just grew up loving that show and it's still like whenever i'm really stressed or like you know sad or anything any mood it just always like Mm -hmm. boosts me up and she just seems like such a such a firecracker and like has a lot of would have a lot of wisdom I think Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, all right last question for you what do you hope readers take away from the other black girl
1: oh um so many things uh (laughs) so many things But I think just one, the one thing I'd say is just this book, I hope, provides just one other option, one other example of the Black experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, one example, four examples, really, with the four um, Black women in this book, but just another way of seeing us, of understanding our struggles um, in our choice. Um, Mm -hmm. We are a very big group black women are diverse we are not a monolith but um you know I I really hope this book shows us and gives us the space to be all the different things be messy be happy and show readers like just to be blunt like why why our lives matter why our Mm -hmm. stories matter so so that's my my main takeaway I hope readers get
0: Oh, the book is so so good, and this was so. <laughs> thank you, so delightful. Zikia, Thank you for joining me. Such a me blast! Today.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm so excited. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.